Good evening. It's good to see you this evening. We'll be studying together in Luke 16. If you want to get out your Bibles and be turning there, we'll be picking up in this uh, parable medley that we've been going through as we've been in Luke uh, for a while, looking at chapters 14 and 15. Uh, If you remember, this all kind of started in chapter 14 with Jesus being surrounded by these huge crowds that are following Him. And He says these really difficult words, right? If you want to be My disciple, you must renounce everything in order to follow after Me and, and love Me and be devoted to Me. Those words were taken in by the sinners and tax collectors we saw in chapter 15. And and the Pharisees grumbled about that, saying he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. And, And Jesus tries to entreat them and tries to encourage them to rejoice over this. This is a good thing. Well, after he talks to the Pharisees, we don't really get any information about how they responded, but he then turns to his disciples and he starts to talk to them. What is he now going to say to his disciples after saying all that he has said? Well, there's another parable. And he just starts right off with this parable. He says, there was a rich man who had a manager, we might think of as a steward, right? Uh, Someone who's like Joseph, uh, who was put over uh, Potiphar's house and also put over all of Pharaoh's kingdom. The guy that's managing all of his possessions for him, taking care of his business for him. So there's a rich man who has a steward or a manager that's over his household and his goods. And this rich man is told that his manager is being wasteful with everything that he has. Uh, He's not using uh, the master's goods as he's supposed to be using them. He's using them in a way that is not in the master's best interest at all. It's in a way that's actually harming the master. So the master finds out about this and sees that he's not being like a Joseph. He's being evil. And he says, okay, you can't be a steward anymore. But before you go, I need you to get everything in order and help me understand, help the next steward understand what it is that they have to do. Well, this steward doesn't know what to do. This is a bad situation for him. This is all that he's ever known. He is a steward. This is his job field. He's going to have to find a new line of work. And he's a... a tenderfoot. He, he doesn't, he's not good at working with his hands. And he's too ashamed to beg. So he's trying to figure out what he's going to do. And then an idea hits him. So he calls all the debtors of his master to him, one by one. And he says to the debtor who owes a hundred measures of oil, about three and a half years worth of salary. He says, how much is your bill? A hundred measures of oil. All right, I want you to take your bill and I want you to write 50. So he does it real quick and he hands it to him. He's like, all right, you're good. Go ahead. The next guy comes and he owes 100 measures of wheat, which is like 10 years salary. And he says, all right, what's your your debt? 100 measures of wheat. Okay, take that and write 80 measures. Hey, that sounds good to me. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to turn that in. And then, hey, I just got a great deal. So he does this with each of the master's debtors. As he's getting all the accounts in order. Well, what's the master going to think whenever he finds out about this? This is where the parable becomes very confusing. This is the most confusing of the parables. The master looks at this steward who has 
wasted his goods and now been dishonest and cheated him out of a lot of money. And he commends the steward for his shrewdness. He commends the steward for his shrewdness. Now, isn't that an interesting twist? (laughs) Something that we really wouldn't expect to happen. What's going on here? Why is Jesus telling this parable to his disciples? And, and why is he giving us this story where there's this steward who's dishonest but being commended? This doesn't sound right. Something's wrong here. Is there some translation error or something? You know, what's going on? Well, there's not a translation error. In fact, this isn't nearly as confusing as it seems. And as we study and we find out more, we're going to understand why it is that he says this. This steward is actually dishonest and wrong, okay? There's no way around it. There is nothing honest or good about the steward. He's not just shaving off his portion. He's cheating the master out of his goods. So when we look at this, we might be tempted to think Jesus is commending dishonest behavior. and That's that's not good. But that's not really what he's commending, is it? Jesus is commending his shrewdness. The word shrewd means wisdom. This man has acted with wisdom. The master looks at this and sees his servant who is about to be kicked out on the street. And he thinks, wow, that was was pretty smart. (laughs) Have you ever been in some kind of competition with your nemesis and then they do something that you never saw coming and they got the best of you? And you're like, wow, that was impressive. I can't believe... You did that. I never saw that coming. This is, this is the way that the master is looking at the servant saying, Wow, that, that was pretty smart. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. that. That actually was really smart. You, know? you would think that the master would be like, Alright, throw him in prison. That's cheating. That's stealing. Get him out of here. But he's like, No, that's, that's actually pretty smart. You're making preparation for yourself. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to make. Notice as we continue to read what Jesus says about the parable. Verse 8, The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Alright, so there's some confusing stuff in there too, but this does explain why the master was commending the steward. Okay, notice the four here. For I tell you, the sons of this world are more shrewd than the sons of light. Jesus is speaking this parable to his disciples and letting them know that as he looks out and he sees the landscape, He sees stewards of all kinds of different uh, possessions. And he sees some of these people are using their possessions in order to prepare for their future on this earth. They're making all kinds of preparations. They're They're working diligently. They're sacrificing. They're doing what needs to be done in order to ensure that their future looks bright. But he sees the sons of light not really preparing like that for their future, the eternal future that is to come. 
Jesus wants us to understand, wants the disciples to understand that they're being bested by the sons of the world. The sons of the world are, are diligently working to use their possessions for their own benefit, while the sons of light are failing to do so for their eternal benefit. He wants the disciples to be wise like these earthly stewards, but to be wise with their worldly wealth for an eternal home. Notice how he says, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. That's worldly wealth, okay? It's just, that's all that is, just worldly wealth. So that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Where do you want to be eternally? Who do you want to make friends with in order to, to enter into their home for all eternity? Well, obviously, God. So Jesus is trying to, to encourage His disciples to be shrewd with their possessions, their worldly wealth, in order to ensure that they are entering into the eternal home that they really want to enter into. Because the truth is, and Jesus points it out in, in verse 9, that it's all going to fail. Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, worldly wealth, so that when it fails, they will accept you into the eternal home. What happens to our wealth? You ever had any wealth disappear? You ever had a medical expense that comes out of nowhere and... And the insurance ain't going to cover all of it. And it's like, wow, there went that $1,000. <laughs> you know? What about the stock market crash? Wow, there goes that. 10000 50000 whatever it is. Money fails. Money doesn't last forever. Even if we have all the money we need, more money than we need, it still fails us, right? Think about Ecclesiastes. Think about Solomon. Solomon has all this wealth and he's using it and he's trying to find satisfaction with all this wealth and it fails him. All that he finds is vanity of vanity. It's like striving after the wind. His money fails him. And the truth is, all of our money will fail us. Every bit of it. Because we can't take it with us into the eternal home. It always fails us. So Jesus is saying, be shrewd, be wise with, you, with your possessions so that you can use them to find success whenever you're going into the eternal home. So how can they be wise? Well, as we keep reading, we understand how they can be wise with their possessions. Look with me at verses 10 through 12. He says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So notice how he transitions from commending shrewdness to talking about faithfulness. He talks about being shrewd and encouraging them to be wise with their worldly wealth. 
use it to to secure eternal dwellings. And then he talks all of a sudden about being faithful. One who's faithful with a very little is also faithful with much. Why does he do that? Because the truth is, it's more shrewd to be faithful than it is to be dishonest. Think again about this parable. Think about this steward who has been given this great responsibility. Was he very shrewd in the beginning? When he was given this immense responsibility and all these blessings and everything is at his disposal, was he very shrewd with it? No, he was wasteful with it. He was not faithful with it. So Jesus is looking at this and seeing and showing that even though they're shrewd at the last minute just to survive, He doesn't want the disciples to be like that. He wants them to be faithful with it now to prepare themselves for the best possible reward when this life is over. That servant could have had it so much better had he just been faithful to the end. Instead, he chose to use those possessions for himself. Think about this. Why are the disciples being told this parable? The disciples are hearing about a servant who is in charge of all these great possessions and he squanders that responsibility. Do you think that the disciples will be tempted to waste what they've been given in this life? That's the whole point. That's the whole purpose of Jesus giving this parable. Because we're all given a little to show our faithfulness with. And we have to decide what we're going to do with it. Whatever the Master entrusts the disciples with, God expects them to be faithful with it. God gives them donkeys. God gives them homes. God gives them wives. God gives them children. God gives them jobs. God gives them money. They have fishing businesses. What does Jesus want His disciples to do with those possessions? He wants them to be faithful with them. Well, now think about what that means for us. What does God want from us? If He wants His disciples to be faithful with everything they've been entrusted with, what does He want us to do with our blessings from Him? Let's think about this for a minute. How much money have we made in the last five years? What have we done with that money? How have we used the money that God has entrusted to us? Jesus says very clearly that everything that we own belongs to another. Have we been faithful with the money that God has given to us? Have we used it to glorify His name? Have we used it to draw closer to God? What can we use our money for that would show that we're faithful stewards of it? Could we use it to buy new Bibles that help us to engage ourselves in study? Maybe a study Bible. 
Uh, We could buy devotionals. We could buy journals to help us with our studies. We could even buy commentaries to help us to dig deeper into our studies. We can use our money for all kinds of spiritual things. We can use our money to support the spreading of the gospel, to support evangelists who are in difficult places. I've got individuals who are, in, who are supporting me. It's a huge encouragement to have an individual say, this isn't my money. This is God's money, and I want to use it to help you. How are we spending the money that God entrusts to us? Are we using it to serve others? Are we being shrewd and faithful with what God gives us? God gives us this money so that when we get the opportunity to give it away, we don't cling to it. We we are happy to let it go to the person in need because it's not ours. The steward was unfaithful because he was wasting it He was using it on things that were unnecessary, probably things for himself. Are we doing that? Well, think about what else God has entrusted to us. Do we have a spouse? How are we investing in the gift of God in our spouse? How could we invest in the gift of God with our spouse? Do we ignore the needs of our spouse, the secular needs and the spiritual needs of our spouse? The spouse is a gift from God. What are we doing with it? Are we wasting it? Are we squandering it? Are we spending time serving ourselves and forgetting to serve our spouse? To show love and and care for them? To meet their spiritual needs? If our spouse is a Christian then they're striving to glorify God with their lives. Are we helping them in that? Are we willing to talk about things that are spiritual with them? Are we willing to open up to them? Are we willing to even direct them whenever we see that they're sinning? Are we willing to talk to them about their sin? Or do we just want to look over it to keep peace in the home? Uh, If the the spouse's sin is anger or pride, you know... Being quiet about that would probably make life a little more peaceful. But they've been entrusted to us that we might help them to glorify God. So we need to see our spouses as a blessing from God that's not just for us to use and abuse for ourselves, but that they're for us to encourage, to build up, to glorify God, to help them to grow in the Lord. And to become a faithful steward as well of what they've been given. Well, what about our children? Children are very clearly a gift from God, aren't they? What are we doing with our children? How are we spending time with our children? Are we investing in the secular needs and the fun stuff of our children only? I mean, that stuff's fun. I love it. But is that it? Here's some low-hanging fruit for us. Our children spend an hour in Bible class or around that, hearing about God's Word being taught. Hey, Naomi, what did you learn about in Bible class today? I don't know. (laughs) What's on your paper? What's on your craft? What's that that you're looking at? Oh, that was Jesus in the temple. 
oh, cool. How old was Jesus when he's in the temple? I don't know. <laughs> was he a little boy? Yeah. Well, why was he in the temple? He was learning from his teachers. All right, you know, and that, that's a good thing. You know, it's low-hanging fruit. It's things that are already on, our, on their mind. We can just talk to them about that and, and help it to be established in their mind that we care about spiritual things. We don't want God to become taboo in our families. We want to talk about Him. We want everyone to know about God. We want our children to understand who God is and what God has done for us. We have to be willing to share that with our children to build them up in the Lord. We need to ask them questions. And we need to be willing to let them ask us questions. Even if those questions show that we're a little ignorant on that topic, which may happen. It's going to happen. We can study together to find the truth and understand more about God. And that's what they're given to us for, that we might bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, there's other things that we've been trusted with. We all uh, have jobs. Most of us have jobs that we go to. Are we using those jobs as a way to serve the Lord? Are we using the spare time that we have? If we're, if we're single, we don't have wives, we don't have children... You have a lot of spare time. I mean, I didn't think I did, but uh, after having a spouse and children, I realized I had, a, I had a good bit of spare time on my hands. Are we using that spare time faithfully and shrewdly? And we're all given talents to use to serve the Lord. These are parts of our stewardship that Jesus wants His disciples to understand we need to be wise, we need to be faithful with them, To make friends with God. To enter into the eternal home that He is preparing for us. But there's a choice that we must make with our stewardship. In verse 13, Jesus says, No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus says we can't choose to start serving money without hating God. When that steward was given his stewardship and he's over all this stuff, I imagine he thought, wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> I get to say how the money is being spent. I get to decide on all my master's businesses and, and what's going on in his house. That's a lot of responsibility, but that's pretty cool. I'm sure my master wouldn't mind if I use this to kind of indulge myself just a little bit. He's a generous man. He'll understand. But then it becomes a little bit more. And he starts serving himself more and more. And before he knows it, now he hates his master because he's getting in the way of him serving himself. Him serving money. This is, this is the tendency, this is the temptation of us all. As we're given more and more, to, to just start to serve it a little bit. To just start to think, well, this is, this is something I can indulge in a little bit more than I indulge in with God. I, I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this than with God, but I'm still going to serve God. Notice as you keep reading, verses 14 and 15... 
The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed Him. And He said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. You know, as I'm, as I'm speaking about all the many possessions and blessings that, that were given and how they're not really ours. They're really God's. And we need to use them to God's glory. We need to be investing in all these things to serve God faithfully. We may say, yep, yep, that sounds great. That sounds like a good idea. But then whenever we get home, we might think, well, my spouse can wait till tomorrow. Or <laughs> I, can, I can let my kids go for, for a time or two. You know, it's not really that important. And, and I, can, I can stop giving so much or not invest in buying a new Bible. I've got plenty of Bibles. I don't need that. But notice how these guys were justifying themselves. They loved their money. They loved their possessions. And they thought that they belonged to them. We can't do that. We can't think that way. It doesn't belong to me. If I can use that money or use whatever it is that I'm blessed with to glorify God, I need to be wise. I need to be faithful. I need to be using it to glorify God. These Pharisees are justifying wasteful living. We can't do that. We can't justify living wastefully because God knows our hearts. God knows what's going on in our minds. As we're living for ourselves, He sees it. And we feel the pull to serve ourselves with our possessions instead of serving God. We feel the pull to be self-focused and love money and love ourselves. But God knows that. And in order to be a faithful steward of all that God has given us, in order to love God, I must invest in those things for God's glory. This is a powerful parable, though very confusing. I looked at it and I was like, I don't know what this is about, Brent. <laughs> I'm going to spend forever on this one. And he helped me along, but it's a powerful message for us. Everything we have belongs to God. Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to be shrewd? Stewards of God's blessings? Or are we going to waste them for ourselves? The choice is ours. We can only choose to serve one master. Which one will it be? If you need to make a change in your life, you need to be glorified, glorifying God with your possessions, will you make that change tonight? It's a sad thing that we waste our possessions that are given to us by God. And it's even sadder whenever we use our possessions to sin. We use our possessions, uh, the nice technology, the TVs, to look at pornography. We use our trusting wife. We take advantage of that and we commit adultery. We use 
our children who we think will always be around and we just abuse and, and neglect them and we don't bring them up in the Lord. There's all kinds of things we can do with these blessings. Let's be faithful. Let's glorify God. Let's put Him first in our lives. If anybody needs to show their love for God and their devotion to God and become obedient, please come forward.